0: Hello and welcome to the fourth installment here of Sports Talk on a Budget. My name is Cody as always and I'll be your host today. Topics that we have for today's episode are going to be the NBA Conference Finals preview. Obviously we're both in the Western and Eastern Conference Finals as of right now. And then um, looking at the next topic, we're going to look at maybe it's time to end the process in Philadelphia move on from Ben Simmons. That experiment has not worked, and the 76ers are out again in the second round of the playoffs as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Third thing, we'll look at baseball's crackdown on foreign substances on pitchers. I'll give you my opinion on why I don't believe this is actually a good ruling that they came with and why I don't think it will work in the long run either. And finally, we'll go into the Aaron Rodgers saga, kind of give an update on where we're at, where I think it may go. Will he show up to training camp? Will he be traded? And what will happen eventually before the season starts with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? All right. First things first, as I mentioned, we are going to look at the conference finals matchup, both in the Eastern and Western Conference side. Now, obviously, the Western Conference got started on Saturday with the Suns and Clippers and the Suns winning game one over the Clippers and taking a 1-0 series lead there. And then we had yesterday where the Hawks were able to upset the Philadelphia 76ers and take game seven to move on to the conference finals and probably the most surprising team and result of the entire playoff so far they will go ahead and take on the Milwaukee Bucks there who won their game seven in overtime over the Brooklyn Nets another kind of a shocker there but not exactly what the injuries that Brooklyn was dealing with but what a great game great series that was and I really hope that we have a couple another couple great series in both at Western and Eastern Conference Finals going forward. I'm going to go ahead and start with the Western Conference Finals and obviously like I said the Suns were able to get game one the other day and take a 1-0 series lead. Now there's two kind of huge holes for both. There's a huge hole for both teams going into these conference finals. Obviously Kawhi Leonard injured his knee and is questionable to even play in this series. So the Clippers are without their by far best player but guys like Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, and even Terrence Mann, who had an unbelievable game six against the Utah Jazz, have kind of filled in that role and stepped up in a big way. And then obviously with the Suns, Chris Paul, maybe not their best player, but their most important player and their leader on the floor, is currently out and questionable for game two due to health and safety protocols. He may have tested positive for COVID or been in contact with someone i don't know exactly what happened i never really got a real answer i'm really hoping that he actually did test positive which would be terrible for him but if he was just close in contact with someone i think the nba looks really hypocritical because they didn't do anything and have any kind of disciplinary action or any kind of investigation or anything at all when lebron james came in came in contact and violated the health and safety protocols before the playoffs even started he was able to play a game the next day against the warriors and then game a couple of days later against the sun so if chris paul did test positive i understand that but if he was just in close proximity with people and violated the health and safety protocols there the nba i believe does look super hypocritical in that ruling that he was missed that he missed game one and potentially could miss game two but let's get to the action on the floor actually and the Suns, I mean, like I said, they took game one and they took it in the fashion that they've been doing for their last seven to eight games. They've won their last eight games, three against the uh, against the Lakers, four against the Nuggets, and now one against the Clippers. And it's been kind of the same recipe. Devin Booker has just been unbelievable. Yesterday, he had a triple-double and 40 points. Just been a great player, another young budding star coming out of these playoffs like Trey Young, Luka Doncic. Just some of these young stars taking their taking their opportunity to show who they are and kind of have a coming out party in these playoffs and he's had a huge one the entire way through deandre ayton has broken out as well not exactly as a young star but maybe as one of the best young big men in the game along with guys like zion and maybe joel Embiid, is a little bit older but either way That's been the recipe. It's been Booker and Aiton, and then obviously when Chris Paul's on the floor, he's able to facilitate and move the ball around to the shooters that they have, like Cam Johnson and Cameron Payne, Miles Bridges, and they knock down shots as well. So the Phoenix Suns have been just unbelievably efficient in this playoff so far, and they showed that in game one as well as they were able to take game one. Now, moving forward, I do believe that Phoenix is just a better overall team. They shouldn't be able to get Chris Paul back either in game two or game three, and it doesn't look cool. it doesn't look like Kawhi Leonard is going to come back at all for the Clippers, so that's going to be a huge kind of disadvantage that the Clippers will have, and that's why I don't think they'll be able to overcome that. If they had had Kawhi Leonard for this series, I really think this could be a seven-game series without Kawhi Leonard and the most likely return of Chris Paul either in the next game or the following game I think the Suns are just way too much for the Clippers Clippers might get a game or two at home because uh, Paul George could have a great night and some of their other role players can step up and have huge games and do have a lot of playoff experience so they might be able to do that but in a seven game series I don't see this Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard and with the Suns getting back Chris Paul and with just the way that Booker and Aiden have been playing I don't see the Clippers able to being able to win four games against this Suns team. So I do believe Phoenix will move forward and get to the NBA Finals. Now who they play is the question. That's why we'll move over to the Eastern Conference side and go over the Bucks versus Hawks. Like I said, the Hawks are probably the biggest surprise in this entire playoffs. I didn't even have them beating the Knicks in the first round and they just dismantled and destroyed the Knicks in the first round and made that series look easy and then in their second round against Philadelphia no them no one was giving them any shot and they just grinded out wins crazy comebacks 18 point comeback in game five or in game four 25 26 point comeback in game five and then the yesterday they closed the deal with winning game seven and like I said Trey Young's just been fantastic but they've gotten huge huge contributions from their role players as well whether that's John Collins, Clint Capella, Kevin Huerta, uh, just a huge, huge guys are stepping up for them and having big games and making and knocking down big shots. And they're gonna need that to continue against this Milwaukee team. Because this Milwaukee team, I believe, is the better overall team. When you have, obviously, Giannis and Chris Middleton's been playing out of his mind lately. Drew Holiday, P.J. Tucker. You have a more experienced, better team. And I love the Hawks story. I love Trey Young. And I've loved what I've watched so far. But I really think that this Milwaukee Bucks team, it's their time. It's finally Giannis's time. Two-time MVP. Won the last two MVPs before Nikola Jokic won it this year. He's been knocking on the door and had the slam, had the door slammed in his face a couple of times, and wasn't able to get over the hump. I think he finally gets over the hump this year, and the Bucks will just be a little bit too much. Like I said, with him and the combination of Middleton and Drew Holiday to go along with him, will be just a little bit too much for the Hawks. And I believe, I believe they do uh, beat the Hawks, obviously, and advance to the NBA Finals, where they'll take on the Suns. And when that comes around, I'll go ahead and give you my pick for that. If that is the case, on our NBA Finals preview, when that um, series does come around. All right, now, and moving on to the other huge NBA topic that everybody's talking about today, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers and Ben Simmons. And maybe it's time for this experiment or the process if they've called it over the last, I don't know, six, seven years. since they were tanking and got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, markel Fultz which was a disaster but whatever. Over this time that they've kind of gone from worst to first, but only in the standings and never have actually been to a NBA finals yet and they're not going to be in this and in, uh, in the NBA finals this year and that's largely because of the process that they've been going through and this marriage of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Now Full disclosure: Joel and Joel Embiid has been awesome. He's been great. He's been playing injured. He's had great games. He's had forty-point games. He's had triple doubles. He's had great games. and been great this whole playoffs. His counterpart, Ben Simmons, who was supposed to be the you know the next coming uh, potential LeBron James, potential Magic Johnson, all these things, he's been terrible. And I don't throw out that word very often, and especially not for star players in a big situation, but he has been awful. He shot 32% from the free throw line in the second round series against the Hawks, which is the worst percentage of any player to shoot for an entire playoff series. And that is just unbelievable. That's, I mean, as a star who's getting paid 30 plus million dollars per year and someone who was has been a multiple all-star and is supposed to be one of the better players maybe one of the top 15 20 players in this league this guy can't make more than 32 percent of his free throws and you could tell at the end of games he was hesitant he didn't want the ball gave up a huge dunk last night because it probably would have been an and one because he probably would have been fouled he didn't want to go to the go to the free throw line ends up passing it off they do get a foul but they only make one free throw trey young goes down to the other side and makes a three and that like Joel Embiid said was basically the turning point of the game now he didn't call out ben simmons we can tell that he kind of wanted to but that was the turning point of the game and that's really what put the game obviously in atlanta's favor he gets the dunk there they take a one point lead and obviously he probably wouldn't make the free free throw but a dunk kind of galvanizes you galvanizes your team galvanizes the crowd around you and that is something that they needed in that time and he passed up on that and it just showed what he has been showing this entire series and basically this entire playoffs almost that he is not a number two option He has never developed a shot. His shot is atrocious. Obviously, he's never developed a free throw shot. His free throw shooting is even worse. Yes, he's a great defender, all NBA defender. He can pass well. He he did have 13 assists to his credit last night. But other than that, he doesn't really give you much. And you can't have him in the game in crunch time because he's a liability on the free throw line. So, in my opinion... I think it's time for Philly to look elsewhere and look for a trade. I don't know what the trade partners would be because, like I said, you have to take on his huge contract and his just average play, basically just one side of the floor, great defender, average offensive player at best with no shot outside of point blank range, pretty much. So don't know who their trade partners would be, but I think it's time to kind of blow this up and move on from Ben Simmons and maybe reevaluate the hiring of Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has nine Game 7 losses, which is an NBA record. And he failed to take the Los Angeles Clippers to the conference finals in three, in three occasions when they should have made it to the conference finals. And the first year he's gone... They're in the conference finals and won two games back to back without Kawhi Leonard, their best player. So maybe they need to look in the mirror and say, maybe Doc Rivers isn't the guy because we all thought he was one of the best coaches in the league coming out of Boston, and that he would be just a great coach wherever he went. And um, his kind of his last eight or nine years in this league as a head coach, while he has been in the playoffs, I believe for all of those, or at least most of those. But most of those appearances have been disappointing, whether that was with Lob City and Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan or whether that was was with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard or now here with the Philadelphia 76ers. The same story ends up being told about Doc Rivers is that he can't get his team over the hump and he can't even get to a conference finals at this point and beat a team like the Atlanta Hawks that. We're a young budding team that no one really gave much much credit or no much attention to throughout the entire year. And with him with it with Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, obviously, the number one seed in the entire conference, can't even get to the conference finals. I think it's I think Philadelphia has a lot of um a lot of uh, soul searching to do, a lot of uh, maybe uh, time to think obviously it's great to have a centerpiece like Joel Embiid who I think is probably the top two or three best big men in the league and one of the top 10 players in the league and will be going forward as long as he can stay healthy but like I said I think it's time to definitely move on from Ben Simmons and you might be able to give Doc Rivers another year but I would keep him on a shorter leash than people think because maybe he's just not the guy that can take Uh, teams over the hump anymore he's got one nba title but that was with the team that was unbelievably stacked with paul pierce kevin garnett and ray allen and a budding uh, young star in rajon rondo as well so maybe that was more of the team versus him but um we'll we'll see what happens in philadelphia there but definitely uh, time to do some thinking and maybe time to move on from some people i think that they definitely need to move on from ben simmons Alright, and that's enough of the NBA for now. Let's move on over to the MLB and Major League Baseball. And uh, some huge news coming out last week that they're going to crack down even more on foreign substances or the use of foreign substances basically for pitchers. And um, we'll implement harsher suspensions and fines on those players. I believe it's a 10-game suspension for first-time offenders and then more from there. Now, a bit of a reaction for this uh, ruling here now obviously from Garrett Cole to Tyler Glass now most of the big time MLB pitchers are against this rule and obviously so because this I I don't understand why the MLB is so harsh on this now I get if it's egregious like Michael Pineda's pine tar on his arm a couple years back or they got pine tar on their hat and they keep on touching that by all means the umpire can step in and have them either remove their hat or remove the pine tar or even throw the player out of the game. I'm okay with that, and I've always been okay with that. That's been implemented and been a part of the ruling for a very long time, and that should still be a rule. But as far as like using oils or lotions or anything like that to kind of give your hand a little bit more grip on the ball so you can throw different pitches, that I don't think should be outlawed. And I think the MLB in baseball is a little overstepping their bounds right now because they're naive to think that Foreign substances on pitchers' hands has not been a thing for the entirety of baseball, which goes all the way back to the 1800s. It's always been a thing, whether it's been the spitter, which they outlawed, or obviously, like I said, pine tar, or the substances like that. Like I said, I'm okay with the egregious uses of it. But if a pitcher wants to use some sort of oil or some sort of lotion or something like that to give his hand a better grip on the ball so he can throw better pitches like garrett cole entire glass now said that's something they need because it's not always easy to grip that ball because changes obviously to the ball all the time to see if we can kind of affect things have been happening for years in the mlb and nothing's really came of it but it's harder to grip that ball when they change the ball a lot and it's just harder to grip that ball overall so these pitchers have been and will have been using these methods their entire career and are used to this. So I think changing that as of right now is just wrong. And I don't think it's something that'll stick. I do think this is a rule that'll be amended going forward. And I do believe a huge reasoning for this rule is I think the MLB is trying to get the offensive numbers up for the league. Obviously, like I've talked about in previous podcasts, and like, obviously, if you're a fan of baseball, you've heard numbers are down again in baseball as far as uh, offensive numbers and things that are up are strikeouts and lower scoring games home runs are still kind of up and down but basically the mlb recently has become either a strikeout or home run league and while it's great to watch home runs and it's great to see those we want to see more variety in baseball. You want to see the base hit, the triples, the doubles, all these things. You want to see a little bit more hitting from these players going forward. And I think MLB is maybe trying to crack down on the pitchers. And maybe they'll be a little bit less dominant. These hitters will be able to get more hits, maybe more base hits. And we'll be able to obviously manufacture more runs and make the game a little bit more exciting and get these declining offensive, num- uh, offensive numbers up. So it looks a little bit better for the league. I think that's that's not the right way to go to crack down on pitchers in that way to get the offensive numbers up. Maybe you need to um, look into some of these batters and some of the ideologies that have come out recently where it's all about launch angles and, you know, hitting the long ball and all these things. It's like maybe we need to look into that and see why that has changed and not fault the pitchers for using these things that have been used for generations and centuries that the, that, the, um, that baseball has been around and punish them because some of these hitters can't hit maybe a good curveball or a good breaking ball. All they can do is hit the balls out of the park, but they can't hit for average. They can't go opposite field when there's a shift on them. They can't do some of these things that players for decades in Major League Baseball were able to do. Some of these hitters aren't able to do these days. That's not on the pitchers. That's on the hitters. If you want to crack down, maybe find some way to, to get hitters to hit more consistently and not just the long ball. But let's not punish the pitchers for the shortcomings of the hitters. And let's not make this about them. And enforce a rule that is just unbelievably biased and just hypocritical in every way. And I don't think, like I said, it's going to last. I believe that this rule will be amended. Maybe it'll go back to what it has been, the egregious use of foreign substances or any foreign substance on any part of your body, whether that be your jersey, your arm, your hat, or whatever. Maybe it'll go to just cracking down on that and not cracking down on every single foreign substance and checking pitcher's hands every inning or before every game, whatever the case may be, how they're going to implement this or how they're going to actually implement this going forward. Maybe that's what it'll be. It'll go back to what it was, and I, like I said, I do think this rule will be amended, and I don't think that this rule is a good rule, and the timing and everything just does not look good for baseball. And the pitchers, especially your top guys like Cole and Glass now, who are two of the better pitchers in the league, and even Trevor Bauer as well, there's going to be even more of these guys to come out against this rule, especially when they have, when they implement it, which I think they have already have, once this rule gets to more effect and you start to seeing suspensions there's going to be more of an out of an outcry and outrage from these pitchers and I don't think you'll be able to keep this rule at that time and they will have to amend it because like I said this rule is not something that I believe is going to work for them going forward and I don't think it was a good rule in the long runner in the beginning anyway And finally, our last topic of the day is uh, going to the NFL. And we're going to look at and basically update the Aaron Rodgers saga, which has not ended. And don't really know if there's an end in sight coming soon. But yes, Aaron Rodgers sat out of all of minicamp and did not show up to any of those, resulting in many fines for him. But no one exactly did not see that coming. A lot of people thought he would sit out of minicamp. But just some questions are looming going forward. A, will he show up to training camp? And if he does, will that kind of end everything that's going on between him and the Packers? B, will he actually be traded? Like, is there enough value that the Packers think they can get back in a trade to justify moving on from the NFL MVP and one of the top three, quarter, three to four quarterbacks in the league? Is there um, any kind of value they can get there as well? And I mean all the reports from the mini camp were that Jordan Love had a good mini camp and has been showing improvement and showing a lot of progress a lot of been progressing a lot in the offense as well finally had his first uh, media session and he sounded great he was good at the mic answered the questions even answered the Aaron Rodgers questions that came about so that was a huge hurdle for him that he got over as well so if he keeps improving and Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up to training camp or is at training camp and and Jordan Love keeps improving does that make Aaron Rodgers easier to trade and kind of end the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay and go ahead and move forward with the Jordan Love era is which is why they drafted him in the first round 2 years ago anyway so does, is that something that may happen and basically the question that all of us are wondering how will this saga end and will it end amicably or will it be a split and Kind of a not look good overall, kind of how they split with Brett Favre about uh, 15, 16 years ago. What I believe will happen is I believe Jordan Love is gonna continue gonna continue to progress and get better and improve. I liked him coming out of Utah State. I was hoping that he'd drop to the New England Patriots, which are my team, and we'd pick him to be kind of the heir apparent to Tom Brady. Obviously, that didn't happen. We got Mac Jones in the draft this year, and he had a great mini camp as well. I'm hoping he's the quarterback of the future. But um, that's enough about the Patriots. Back to the topic at hand, I believe he'll um, like I said, Jordan Love will continue to progress and get better and better. And I I think Aaron Rodgers is going to continue to hold out unless. Mark Murphy and uh, Brian Gutenkoos who is the GM and Mark Murphy is the president and the um, not the owner, but the president of the Packers there, unless they bring him in, have a sit down conversation and be like, hey, we want you more involved in decisions, whether that's free agency draft different kind of moves throughout the season we want you more involved we want your opinion we want you to we want you to feel like you're welcome here they have that kind of sit down with Aaron Rodgers because that's really what Aaron Rodgers is looking for but if the Packers aren't willing to give that to him I don't think he's willing to show up and I think he will hold out and sit out for as long as he can maybe all the way into the last week of training camp going into preseason he may come in there get some reps obviously he knows the offense so he doesn't need that much practice and so he can get back on the field and assume his starting position but I don't see the Packers having that sit-down conversation with him. And I don't see, like I said, Aaron Rodgers budging unless they want to have that. So I do think, and like uh, Jake Glazer reported last week, I do think if your teams like the Broncos or other teams like that that may need a quarterback to have a good talent team but need a quarterback to kind of be that next step, keep calling and keep pushing because the Packers are eventually going to answer those calls. And then you might be able to get a trade because – Like I said, if Jordan Love continues to progress, Aaron Rodgers continues to dig his feet in and you continue to dig your feet in and not have that conversation with him and tell him that he's going to be more involved in things, you're going to have to move on from him. And like I said, this is even though Aaron Rodgers is going to be 36 or 37 this year, I think he's going to be 37. He's a former NFL MVP. He's still one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, along with uh, like Mahomes, Brady, Russell, Wilson, top three, four quarterbacks in the league is Aaron Rodgers you can get a lot for him. You could trade him down to to Denver, maybe get two, three first round picks, and maybe another weapon to go on your offense to help out Jordan Love and kind of keep this thing going. You may not be as good in year one with Jordan Love as you were with Aaron Rodgers, but at least you have a, a direction that you're going in and you have a bright future. If Jordan Love continues to progress and you can get another piece around him and then you get three first round picks to build around him as well going forward. So, I believe that's how it may end i was n- i never from the beginning i've been saying i never thought aaron Rodgers should be traded i didn't think that was a thing i didn't think you trade that former nfl mvp i think you kind of weighed him out but i don't think there's any waiting him out i think he's gonna kind of dig his heels in and it looks like mark murphy and brian Gutenkoos are gonna dig their heels in as well and they're not gonna have that sit down conversation so i I do think this could result in a late trade, whether that be in training camp, preseason, or maybe even the beginning of the season if um, if Jordan Love looks good in the first couple of games he starts. But I do believe this will result in a trade, and I think that the number one suitor and pretty much the best suitor for them will be the Denver Broncos, and I think that'll end up with Aaron Rodgers eventually on, on the Denver Broncos. Like I said, if he doesn't kind of wield a little bit of power there, and come back into training camp which I don't think he will because it just doesn't seem like he's willing to do that right now and it doesn't seem like the Packers front office is willing to do that either so like I said I do think this will end in a trade and I think the Broncos will be the suitor and the team that Aaron Rodgers eventually suits up whenever that is whether that is after the beginning of season for the 2021 season going forward and um, wow that would be amazing you throw him in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr probably instantly becomes the best quarterback division. And what a what a huge get that would be for them. And that would just be in an unbelievable division, a competitive division, and maybe the best division in football if they're able to get him and keep most of their best pieces as well. Well, that was my show for today. Uh, like I've stated before, this podcast is called Sports Talk on a Budget. It is available on Buzzsprout, spotify apple podcast and amazon music you can um if you want to you can subscribe i also have a facebook and instagram pages under sports talk on a budget so please go and like or follow those pages you can leave comments there on my episodes that i'll post on those platforms you can leave comments on there i believe you can leave comments on the amazon music and apple podcast as well so please leave comments for me i do like the constructive criticism but um thank you for listening And um, we'll uh, see you next time on Sport Talk, Sports Talk on a Budget. Thank you.